scriptures describe money as God's primary rival for our devotion. If that's true, if the worship of money is one of the gravest dangers of the spiritual life, then it's imperative to know more than a few Bible verses pulled out of context. It's imperative to know the full counsel of scripture on the nature of money and the source of its power. Some say money is simply neutral, a brute tool like any other. Some say money's a lot like a brick. Bricks can break windows, they can break bone, but they can also build cathedrals. You cannot blame the brick for how it's used. Seems simple. It's not like money has a will of its own, right? If money is like a brick, what happens when we replace the word money with the word bricks? You cannot serve both God and bricks. Hmm. How hard it is for those who have bricks to enter into the kingdom of God. That doesn't seem right. Keep your life free from the love of bricks. The love of bricks is a root of all evil. Perhaps money isn't like a brick after all, because money is more than just an object. Money is one, a store of value, and two, a system of exchange. It's a pathway to countless things our hearts crave. We can trade money for homes and cars and vacations, for power and fame, luxury and esteem. Money can be a tool, but it can also be an idol. The Bible describes money as something that flies and seduces, chokes and entangles us, testifies against us as though it were a spirit, a false god with a will of its own to fool and enslave us. Jesus calls money unrighteous. The Psalms and Proverbs contrast trusting in God with trusting in wealth. They warn against unrighteous means of acquiring and using wealth, and against gaining so much wealth that we become arrogant and satisfied and forget our need for God. The Bible even tells us that the desire for wealth is a snare that leads us into harmful desires which plunge people into ruin and destruction. In the hands of the godly and wise, Money can be a tool of extraordinary good. Whether you have a fortune or two pennies, you can convert what Jesus calls unrighteous mammon and consecrate it for kingdom service, transforming earthly assets into heavenly treasures. You can use it to serve others in amazing ways. But money can also use you as it deceives and distorts, seduces and enslaves. So ask yourself, is money your master or is it your servant? Is money an idol in your heart or a tool in your hands for the construction of the kingdom of God? Well, good morning. It's good to see you here and good to see you all online. I can't see you, obviously, but you can see us. And uh, we're thrilled to have you here. If I've not met you, my name is Rich. My, I'm the lead pastor here. It's uh, real life. Thrilled to have you here and uh, thrilled to greet you after such a heavy video. Aren't you super excited? So uh, today we begin a four-part series on stewardship entitled More, M-O-R-E. Now, I'm going to give you the premise of this series here in just a minute, but what I want to do first is I want to share with you a passage of scripture, one we're going to be speaking about today and a little bit over the next few weeks. But uh, this is going to be familiar to some of you, maybe not others, but uh, I want to read this for you. These are the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 6, verses 24 through 34. 
no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more important than food? That one's debatable for me. I'm not sure about you, but uh, the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon, in all of his splendor, was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you of you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what should we eat, or what should we drink, or what should we wear, for the pagans run after all these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for your love and for your grace for us today. Father, this is a sensitive topic and a sensitive subject, but at the same time, too, we are your children. Your spirit is at work in our midst and in our hearts. So, uh, Father, would you open my life up, open our lives up to receive from you today what you have for us. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. So, if there's a, if there's a universal truth when it comes to money, it's that most people believe that the answer when it comes to money is more more. Uh, If I just had more, I could fill in the blank. If I just had more, I wouldn't have to do this and this and this. If I just had more then, then I could do A, B, or C. Whatever it is, fill in the blank. The perspective is that more is always the right answer to the question of money. So uh, in a couple weeks, Shelly and I take number one, number two, and then next year, number three, all to college at the same time. Listen, if there was ever a time where more sounds like the right answer, this is about that time. This is about that time. And listen, my hope is that throughout this series is that you and I would trade the attitude sometimes that we have that more money is the answer and instead trade that for the idea of more stewardship instead. Instead of more money, more stewardship. Because here's what happens when you begin to get God's perspective on money. You're going to experience more peace and you're going to experience more purpose in your life. Now, this is an introductory message to this series, so we're going to get a couple things out in the open right here on the front end. Okay? Are you still with me? I'll ask you that a few times before we're done, just so you know. All right, first... The first thing we need to understand is that our relationship with financial resources is going to be the topic of conversation these four weeks. You're welcome. <laughs> Second, predictably, predictably, any message along these lines is going to raise blood pressure. I can guarantee it. And I totally get it. I think it's really interesting 
that uh, we get defensive in this area, but we're kind of open about other areas. You know, for example, if I said that we need to re- address our relationship with food and how sometimes that, that takes a, a turn that's not healthy for us, we'd be like, yeah, you know, I, I admit, you know, too many, too many tacos. I mean, I mean yeah, I, I got a weird relationship with food. Or if I, said, if I said, hey, we really need to examine our relationship with social media, some of us would be like, yeah, I've said some stuff. Yeah, I probably shouldn't have said that or, or done that and shared that or liked that or tweeted that or whatever. We, we wouldn't get too defensive. But when I say we need to address our relationship with money, people go ninja. Like, like freak out in a big, big way. Dude, what are you doing? This is totally meddling. You better back off. Where do you get off? Standing on that platform talking to me about finances and money, that is my private life. You're, you're starting to dig into area. Hey, listen, dude, you're new here. Are you sure you want to go down this road right now? Right now, okay? Which reveals the third thing that I want you to know. I do not preach sermons about money. I preach sermons about stewardship, and that's different. That's different. Listen, I totally get why people get upset. I really do. Churches, and specifically pastors, are notorious for creating mistrust when it comes to how finances are managed and used. Notorious. In fact, there's a whole horde of nonprofit religious entities that are no better. And I have zero problem standing on this platform and saying that. And saying that. And there's a reason. If you are a person, if you are an organization who professes Jesus and yet you lack transparency, or more specifically, clear motive, when it comes to how you operate with biblical stewardship, listen, the world has your number. The world has your number. The world is not foolish. If you don't think that the world has your number, I thought about putting this on the screen, but it's so gross. Um, If you don't think the world has your number, Google, not right now, and not on Facebook either, don't switch, stay with me. Google preacher sneakers. Yeah, you heard me right. That's what I, preacher sneakers, as in shoes. Google preacher sneakers, and you'll find a site and an Instagram account that's dedicated to calling out the misuse of funds by preachers and churches to bolster up all of this, you know, Instagram worthiness in a celebrity church culture, all the while while somebody's wearing $2,000 sneakers. Okay, if I, if I wore $2,000 sneakers, I'd never leave the house. I wouldn't want to get them. But who wear $2,000 sneakers and pontificate from a pulpit while they're in a sea of need around them. Listen, the world has our number. We should not be surprised. Now, there is a reason. There's a reason biblical stewardship is not a part of the buffet of most churches when it comes to discipleship. And it's because the leaders don't model it. I just said the quiet part out loud, okay? It's because the leaders fail in this area. And I just made a huge statement right there, which is the fourth thing that you need to understand as we march forward in this series. 
so that when I say some things, you understand what my motives are. I, Rich Doring, as your lead pastor, I operate unquestionably with high financial integrity and biblical stewardship in my own life. Okay, now I'm putting myself out there. In essence, what I am saying is everything that we're going to talk about, everything that I highlight, I'm saying if you want to see an example of what this looks like, I will model it for you. Okay, if if you don't know what that means, I put myself out there, okay? I'm putting myself out there. I believe God honors a church that does the exact same thing. And I've seen it happen. I am literally putting my front, myself in the front to lead the way in what it looks like. And I lead other people to do the exact same thing. Okay. That requires integrity. It requires accountability. Okay. It requires an understanding of what stewardship looks like, not just for individualized, but what does it look like for us as a church to be a good steward? What is the church doing to be a good steward, which is why next week, as a part of the sermon, what we're going to do up here is you're going to see a finance presentation on the finances of this church so that you can see how we're doing at this point and understand some of our methodology and understanding of how we operate as a church as solid biblical stewards. You, as the church, ought to be able to have with confidence the ability to give, knowing that this entity, which is you, is operating with high financial integrity and stewardship, all for the purpose of moving a mission forward. Agreed? You should, you should have confidence in that. So that's why that's a part of what we talk about a little bit next week. But my hope, and listen, okay, some of you are here for the first time. Um, and maybe some of you come back, COVID, you know, all that, you know, all that kind of different stuff. Or maybe you just jumped in online, you're like, yeah, I this is why I checked it out online first. Um, <laughs> listen, um, I get it. I totally get it. If you'll hang with me, I promise you. If you'll hang with me these four weeks, you're going to come to an understanding that in the end, this is never about money. It's never about money. It's about more stewardship. And stewardship is a matter of the heart. This is about our hearts, okay? This isn't about money. This is about our hearts, Write that down because scripture says, Jesus said, where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. This is about our hearts, okay? And today it begins with gaining more perspective. Namely, the understanding that anything that we have, any resource that we have, anything that we have in our lives did not originate with us. Everything from the very amount of exact oxygen you need in the air that's around you that enters into your lungs involuntarily every single day to your ability to wake up and go to a job and earn money all of that none of that originates with you it all comes from god it's all a gift that god has given us it's all things that god has put into our lives for us to steward for us to manage okay it's all a gift now that sounds super spiritual okay it sounds super spiritual but let's at least be honest this morning it's completely upside down, and I'm, I'm, I'm right here with you, okay? I think, maybe I should impose myself on you. <laughs> maybe this is really about me. I naturally want to be taken care of, okay? I naturally want to make sure my family is being taken care of financially, that we have what we need. I also, you know, naturally want to make sure that we have what we need for tomorrow. I want to plan ahead a little bit. 
And if we're honest, and if you're honest too, maybe with me, uh, sometimes we want more than we need. You know, we, we like to enjoy some things and, and different things like that. Then once we get all of those things lined up, then we can focus on this kingdom aspect of our finances, serving his purposes in the world. But God is telling us in this, instead of looking at it from straight on, come sideways. He's saying, take a different perspective. Take a different look at this. Because perspective is powerful. We see things through certain lenses. And then we act on what we perceive. So our perspective, our perceptions are really powerful. The problem with the power of our perspective and how we see things is that our perspective is influenced by all kinds of different stuff, okay? There's a reason, and we'll get into this in this series probably at some point, why I am super passionate about this area of discipleship. Because of some things that have happened in my past. Some things that I've seen in my past, okay? So our past experiences tend to dictate our perspective. Uh, fear tends to dictate our perspective. Uh, our emotions dictate, I mean, if I woke up angry this morning, it's probably because I had bad pizza last night. I mean, that's really unpredictable, right? And that's, that's something I'm going to build my foundation and my life on, is all this unpredictability. There's so many things that affect our perspective. Perspective is powerful. But the challenge for us in the church is when it comes to money, when it comes to money, if we are interested in the lordship of Jesus Christ over every area of our lives, we have to get his perspective on it. It's his, anyway. So we have to gain his perspective on this. That's what Jesus is saying in Matthew chapter 6. In Matthew chapter 6. What I want to do is just, I want to ask you to be open to what God might be saying to you this morning. Um, this, this passage of scripture, along with other scriptures that we'll see through this series, really gives God's perspective on finances, God's perspective on money. But for our purposes this morning, just really quickly, we're going to shoot through four different things here that there's really evident in this passage when you get when you decide to adopt God's perspective when it comes to money first of all uh, you're going to sacrifice the short term for the long term you will start sacrificing the short term for the long term he says this in 19 through 21 do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where maw and rust destroy where thieves break in and steal but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, this message today isn't necessarily about giving, okay? Everybody said amen, okay? That's next week, so you're welcome. If I was a smart pastor, I wouldn't advertise that. But I, I believe in you, and I believe that you'll be here next Sunday, okay? Okay. Um, We'll talk, there you go, thank you for the amen over here. <laughs> there is a statement, though, even though this message isn't necessarily about money, or about giving, uh, there, there is a statement I hear whenever giving does come up, particularly in the church, and that statement is, I can't afford to give. I can't afford to give, and maybe you're feeling like that, okay? I totally get that as well, and I'll make sure that you understand that. Just statistically speaking, there are people in this room today who you, you're not 100% sure how every meal is going to come across your table this week. Okay, so, so I want to make sure you understand. I, I empathize with you, and I, I get it. I get it. If giving means that you get evicted, okay, we need to have a conversation. Okay, but 
in a moment of honesty, can the majority of us say this? Can we be real, real life? Is it possible that sometimes, maybe, our inability to give, like we can't afford to give, that idea of not being able to afford to give has everything to do with the fact that our lives are lived beyond our means right now for things in the short term? Is that a possibility? Okay. Things that even, even, even those things that tend to seal our joy and our peace right now, we've invested so much in the short term that it hijacks us and enslaves us so that we can't invest for the long term. Now again, I don't want you to hear what I'm not saying. Got it? I don't want you to hear what I'm not saying. I spent money on a 25th wedding anniversary trip two weeks ago. Okay, that's a good investment <laughs> that had a high value, but we don't do it every other week. Okay, uh, I enjoy a really good meal at a unique restaurant. Shelly and I are foodies. It's kind of one of the reasons we went to New Orleans on our, our trip. We budget for those things. We know where the money's gonna come from to pay for those things, but it's when I take a vacation that costs twice as much as I can afford or when I eat out every single day of the week, anybody say tacos? I mean, if I do that every single day of the week, that's different. Unfortunately, what it means is I'm beginning to prioritize the short term. Living like that now means I am not free to make deposits for the long term. It will always feel like I can't afford to give because I've prioritized the short term to a point where I'm strapped now and I'm not free to do what God desires for me to do. We're going to talk about debt from a biblical perspective in this series too. Again, you're welcome, okay? Uh, but God's perspective is that money is like seeds. It's like seeds in that where and how you cultivate them makes a big difference. It does make a difference. This is not about planting seeds so you get a great return. This isn't about me planting enough seeds that I get myself a gold watch or some preacher sneakers. That's not what this is. But where you sow those seeds and when you sow those seeds and how you sow those seeds makes a difference. In the short term, those seeds may sprout fruit, but it is fruit that will not last. It is fruit that will not last. And it's a totally easy mistake to make when we have a wrong perspective of money, which leads to the second thing. When you start adopting God's perspective when it comes to this area of your life, you're going to start living for the big picture. Matthew 6, 22 through 23. This is Jesus. He says, the eye is the lamp to the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. This is like elementary ABC stuff, okay? If the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? In other words, when our eyes work, we can see. When they don't, we can't. And when you can't see, you miss things. You miss things. That is so easy to do. It sounds so basic, but it is so easy to do, particularly in our consumer culture that also is a part of our consumer Christianity in our churches. Okay, statistically, statistically, you and I, if we're sitting in this room or even watching online right now, you're, you and I are part of the 1%. You and I are part of the 1% in the world who hold 50% of the world's assets. And you might be thinking, I'm, I'm that person, Pastor, who doesn't know how I'm going to put food on the table on Friday this week. Or you're living paycheck to paycheck. Or you don't have air conditioning at home. 
or A, B, or whatever. Yeah, I know. You're still, you're still a part of that 1%. You right now have twice as much as 50% of the people on the planet. Now, I share that not to shame us or make us feel guilty or anything like that, but I say that because sometimes that breeds, an ignorance of that breeds a certain perspective. And that perspective is that because you have more, you have a better perspective. And that is not true. Just because you have more does that not mean that you have the best perspective or God's perspective on this. Jesus messes this one way up. The thing that everybody likes to talk, to, talk about when it comes to giving in, in Scripture is the widow's might, right? It's this, it's this widow who shows up to give an offering at the temple, and she doesn't really have anything, so she gives all that she has, which is basically two pennies. She throws two pennies in the offering, this little old widow woman, and then she walks away. And at the same time, you've got this group of men over here on the side. They've, their pockets have been lined by the church. They've got cash to spare. They've built up their, their idea in other people's minds that they've got it going on. They have more, okay? They have more. She does not have more. They have more, and they mock her. Look at she only gave two, but if we actually wanted to give, man, we could blow that one out of the water. Look at us. We are a big deal. This is a total side note, but it just popped into my mind, so I'm going to share you. So my initials are RBD, Richard Benjamin Doring. And uh, on all of our financial documents back in my last church, I used to just initial them, RBD. Well, then I had a financial, like a requisition form for receipts or something that came through here. And mindlessly, I just signed it, RBD. And nobody knew what RBD was. And so then I was in a staff meeting. They were like, what's RBD? And I think Chandra is the one that's like, does that mean really big deal? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm a really big deal. <laughs> totally lost my train of thought when I came up with that. The bottom line is this. She was ridiculed, right? Because she only gave just, but, but Jesus, in a sense, he says in that situation, he says, who's the one that gets commended by Jesus in that moment? It's the one who gave everything. It's the one that gave everything. She had a different perspective. She was living for the big picture. What were they living for? Something else. More in that situation was not the answer. More didn't have the best perspective. Are you following that? Okay, which means when we adopt God's perspective on money, we invest our lives in God's kingdom. We invest our lives in God's kingdom. Listen, every day you're making investments all the time with how you spend your time, how you spend your energy. I mean, think about when you have that phone in your hand. You're playing words with friends, or you're doing this, or you're doing that. You're investing at that point. You're investing your time in something. Sometimes we invest our, our time wisely or our resources wisely. Sometimes we invest poorly. It just happens. Sometimes we invest in things that matter. Sometimes we invest in things that, that don't matter. But the real risk, the real risk is that we might allow something like money to so compete with our allegiance with God that we would end up investing in a kingdom or things that don't last. That's the risk. That you would invest in something that does not last. And Jesus, 
he lays it out pretty clear. The choice is pretty simple. Matthew 6, 24, nobody can serve two masters. Either he'll hate one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. Allegiance to one and hate for the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And listen, you know, of all the things that Jesus could have led with there that would compete for our allegiance to God, like, I mean, he could have said sex, power, ego. I mean, he, he could have named a, a litany of things that would compete for our allegiance to God, but instead, what does he talk about? He talks about money. He talks about money as the biggest issue. And I think it's important to acknowledge that because it shows us that you can't just compartmentalize this part out of your life, out of your spiritual life. Listen, God's hands on all of it. God's put everything into our lives. It's easy to say, hey, pastor, stick to the soul care stuff, would you? You know, tell me about the Jesus is my best friend stuff and, and all that kind of different stuff. You don't have to go down this route, Pastor Rich. But listen, it's all touched by God. It's all under the lordship of Jesus Christ. You are demonstrating what you are investing your life in, in what you do with money. But finally, if you adopt God's perspective on money, number four, it gives up, we give up useless worry. This passage of scripture is really interesting because I've said the word money about a thousand times at this point. Jesus didn't. Actually, he talks about worry throughout this whole passage over and over. It's almost a passage just about worry. Verse 25, I tell you not to worry about your life, what you're going to eat or drink. Verse 27, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Verse 31, do not worry, saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear, for the pagans run after all these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need those. Verse 34, therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So what are you worried about today? What are you worried about today? How much of your worry is tied to finances? Now, you might not think directly. Um, you know, if you've got a health procedure coming up, you're thinking, man, I'm worried about that. I hope the doctors don't, you know, amputate the wrong foot or whatever. Yeah, I, I, I'm worried. I don't want them to do that. Make sure you draw a no on one or something, you know. We worry about that stuff. But in the back of your mind, are you so unlike me that you're thinking, oh, this one's going to cost me. This is going to cost me a little bit, isn't it? Where am I going to get the money to cover that base? How am I going to do that? What are you worried about today? My guess is you don't have to think very hard to figure out what is that one thing that you're worried about. You know what? I've never seen a shark in the wild. Welcome to the world of random rich dooring facts. RBD. <laughs> I have never seen a shark in the wild. Do you know why? Because I don't want to. I am not a whole lot different than anybody else. I have no desire to see a shark because I'm afraid of sharks. I've never even seen one in the wild. I have no, I'm, and I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm a big enough man to stand up here and say, I'm afraid of sharks. No desire to see one in the wild at all. You know what I'm not afraid of? I'm not afraid of my bed. I'm not afraid of my bed. Yet, over the last 400 years, the average number of people who've died by a shark attack every year is one. 
Over the last 400 years, the average that people have died from a shark attack every year is one. Do you know how many people die by falling out of their bed every year? Falling out, on average, over 450. I know. <laughs> over 450 people, I'm making light of that, that's probably not funny, but over 450 people die falling out of their bed while one person dies getting eaten by a shark. What am I saying? We need to get some perspective. What are we worried about? What are we worried about? Jesus says in Matthew 6, 32 through 33, the pagans run after these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. All these things, all these things will be added unto you. One day, man, one day we're going to look back and we're going to have the kind of clarity that Jesus is talking about here. I wish I had it now. <laughs> I wish I could see as clearly as Jesus is speaking this right here. That the, that the way he is communicating us to live this way is the only meaningful way that we'll ever live. It's so easy to talk about, but it's so hard to put into practice. That's the only rational way to live. And, and I want to be straight with you. I know that this is a sensitive topic. I get that. The next three weeks, we're going to get pretty specific. I just want to, I want to make sure you know that up front. I hope you hang with me. I really do. Because we're going somewhere. But the next thing, three weeks, you're going to get pretty specific. Here's what I know. Those messages and what God wants to do is going to be hazy and maybe even irritating if we come at it from any perspective other than God's perspective when it comes to this. If we bring our perspective to the table, we're not going to see it clearly and we're going to get irritated. I know I do. But when I start seeing things through God's eyes, when I start getting God's understanding, he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask. So God, give me your wisdom when it comes to finances. Give me your wisdom. Not wisdom how to make a, a quick million. Give me your wisdom. In seeing this the way you see it, all of a sudden, things change. You begin seeing things with different eyes and a different perspective. And as we close this out, uh, the Gospel of Luke has an account of this exchange. And I just think it would be good for us to read it. Is that okay? It's going to be on the screen. I want to ask that you would read this. It's just a few verses with me out loud. Luke chapter 12, verses 32 through 34. Would you read this with me? Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourself that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted. Where no thief comes near, no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In other words, he's, just, he's basically saying, look, for the sake of your heart, for the sake of your heart, give yourself away. That's what he's saying. For the sake of your heart, give yourself away. And what I want to do is I want us to do that. To give everything away. I'm not asking for a check. What I'm suggesting is that we in our hearts right now, in prayer, give all that we have to God. The Bible is clear that it's his anyway. It's his anyway. He's the owner. We're the managers. 
He's the owner. We steward what he has put into our lives for his benefit, for his benefit. Let's give him the false perspective sometimes we have about money as well while we're at it. Let's give all we are and all we have right now to him, to his kingdom, and ask that he guide us in these next few weeks to live this kingdom-focused, wise, and generous life. Can we do that? Are we okay? Are we still friends? Okay. Listen, um, I want you to know, and, and I, I really want you to know my heart on this. Um, I, I have no problem talking about this, which is really weird. <laughs> uh, I really don't. And one of the reasons is I, I've seen just how God honors and blesses faithful stewardship. Just basic faithful stewardship. It is amazing. And I want you guys to know, you guys are rock stars. All right, so you've come out of COVID. Um, you, I mean, and the, the chaos that was that. You've come out of almost a year and a half without a lead pastor. You, I mean, just there's just been constant, constant, constant. And you heard Chandra's report here at the beginning of the service. Over 300 kids, and it, literally, we're getting messages every single day at the church. Hey, do you have supplies? Do you have supplies? Do you have underwear? Do you have socks? Do you have all this stuff? There are countless kids getting blessed right now in this region because of your faithfulness, not only to donate those things, but to give so those things can be purchased. You guys are, are, are total rock stars. Last week, our new associate pastor moved into the other parsonage. That, that conversation wasn't going to happen three or four months ago. But it's because you guys have been faithful and you guys are good stewards that all of a sudden God is opening doors and opportunities for the mission of the church to continue to advance and move forward. And we didn't act irresponsibly in that. We were very conservative in that decision. But God has honored that because you are honoring God by what you are doing and the actions that you are taking. I think God honors honest, biblical, solid financial stewardship. I really do. I've seen it in my own life. And so I guess I, I want to say to you, thank you for being who you are. And you might be thinking, well, Rich, then why do we have to talk about this? Why do we have to talk about this? Well, because this is never about money. It would be really easy, actually, and you're going to see this next week in our, in our financial presentation. You're going to see, eh, we're, 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 we're cutting pretty even. I mean, we're doing, we're doing all right. So don't have to talk about it this year. Okay, that is, to me, a backwards understanding of financial stewardship. We're only going to talk about it when we have a need? No, this is discipleship. This is basic Romans, the book of Romans. You, you are to make yourselves a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable in his sight. This is about laying ourselves down. And it's about allowing God to have lordship over every area of our lives. This is one of those areas that Jesus happened to talk about quite a bit. And he reserved some of his harshest language for this topic. And so it makes me think that when we get our minds right and our perspective right in regards to God's understanding of finances, God's understanding of stewardship, there's a lot of things that start to fall into place in other aspects of our lives too. My burden for us isn't that we raise more money, okay? My burden for us is that we build more disciples, is that we become more and more grounded in the faith so God can just go ahead and unleash us 
and cause havoc in the region <laughs> and in the world for Jesus and totally sabotage the devil's plans and be a part of a movement of transformation that takes place. And that happens when we bring it all under God's lordship. That's my heart. That's my heart. All right, I'm done. I'm done. I'm going to ask you to stand, and I'm going to pray for us. Thank you. Thank you for being here, and thank you for joining us online. Let me pray. Father, we do love you. We thank you so much. And in this area of my life, Father, uh, I pray for humility. I pray for an openness that you would examine and put your finger on anything in my life that runs contrary to you when it comes to this. Um, and Father, I know I've made some jokes here. I'll make more in the future, but at the same time, too, uh, there, there's need represented in those that are hearing my voice right now. And there are some, Father, that, that are going without. And I pray, Father, that uh, in the midst of all of this, they've not heard something that I've not said or that you've not said, more importantly. Uh, our love and our compassion goes out. Father, would you speak to our hearts? Help us not just to give out of our abundance, but Father, give out of what you put into our lives. Help us to live as faithful stewards. Father, of what you've asked us to be and do. We know, Father, that this is possible when we submit to your work in our lives, so I pray for that in my own life and in our lives. And as we navigate these next few weeks, Father, I pray that you would be honored. I pray that you would be honored in everything that we say and do. And all God's people said, amen. Hey, God bless you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being here today. Have a fantastic week. Thanks.